You know, when 12-year-olds start throwing around terms like, I'm just projecting my feelings on you because of my narcissistic bias, so don't be codependent and keep enabling me. You know that the world has been overrun by psychobabble. (laughs) I've actually heard children surprise me with statements like that. Psychobabble sounds wise, but it's full of buzzwords based on the inaccurate knowledge or misuse of technical terms from psychology, mental health, sociology. Intimacy is one of those buzzwords. Vulnerable is another. And they often get put together in a problem-solving framework. Need more intimacy? Be more vulnerable. But the, the resulting advice to be more vulnerable can leave many people who long for satisfying human connection unfulfilled, disappointed, discouraged. In this episode, I'll provide another pathway to intimacy in our hyper-romantic culture that longs for it but lacks the know-how. And in the process, I'll also point out the character traits needed to protect people from the damage often done by buzzwords. You may be one of those people who wants more intimate relationships, and so what I say just might help you also. Hi, I'm Doug Newton, pastor for 45 years, national award-winning magazine editor, and author of 24 books, and this is At the Intersection with Doug Newton, where scripture, culture, and character meet. And I'm here to help you pursue the kind of character needed to align with scripture faithfully and to engage culture graciously. Now, each week I make one observation about our culture, I give one insight from the Bible that speaks to that issue, and then I suggest one way to strengthen the character that you and I need to relate to our mixed-up world with exemplary grace and and fresh impact. This is a no-gripe zone, seriously. Our question is not what's wrong with our culture, it's about what's the right way to respond. So you ready? Here we go. So tell me, what springs to your mind when you hear the word intimacy? Chances are it's images of skin on skin, you know, physical closeness, kissing, hugging, caressing, and, well, I don't need to go any farther. Intimacy is often connected with sexual expression in our hyper-sexualized culture. It's about being that man or woman on the cover of a romance novel. Well, (laughs) would you try to wrench your mind away from that, at least for a few moments? What else do you think when you hear the word intimacy? Two people who share their true feelings, their inner thoughts, their deepest desires? Well, for many people, that image triggers sadness due to an unfulfilled longing for a deeply satisfying relationship characterized by feeling known and understood, feeling accepted and wanted, and and especially enjoyed. For other people, it triggers fear due to a threatening sense of worry about becoming known and then (laughs) unwanted. You know, I, I don't want to get too close to anyone. I'm afraid they'll find out I'm not a very interesting person. And I can't face that moment again where they just kind of drift away for someone better or someone more interesting. And then for other people, and this may be the most common reaction these days, the word intimacy triggers kind of a blank stare, a shrug of the shoulders. 
in this world of social media that has ironically brought about the demise of social skills, you know, like conversation and personal interaction, it's easier just to scroll your way through life, you know, keep your head down in your phone and and settle for passive interaction instead of making the effort that intimacy requires. I mean, having lost the how and the who of intimacy, we turn instead to the easier, who cares? Whatever the case, our culture sets people up for frustration and disappointment because it holds up this one idealized, almost romanticized view of intimacy and offers only one path toward that kind of intimacy— Our culture's portrayal of intimacy is a face-to-face, eye-to-eye, lip-to-lip, heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul relationship, and it recommends one buzzword remedy. You guessed it. To find intimacy, you must be vulnerable. Share yourself, your true self. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. How can you capture the interest and the closeness of others if you don't disclose yourself? Be vulnerable. Well, I understand the argument, and that may be one approach. However, you know, that leaves many people loaded down with a really big burden. You mean it's it's on me? If I want to find intimacy, I have to capture the interest of another person enough to draw them close into intimate contact. I have to become a person someone else longs to be with. It's on me. Do you realize how that advice can leave some people, even many, absolutely scared? They may not have the self-confidence for self-disclosure, but because that buzzword says that's what you have to do for intimate relationships, they try, and maybe too hard, and likely too hard, and maybe awkwardly, likely awkwardly, and then they may get crushed when their forced attempts at vulnerability simply reinforce their self-image as an unattractive or uninteresting person. To try to tell them to try again, to be vulnerable, is like telling a tone-deaf person to try harder to sing on key. We need to just stop voicing our culture's buzzwords about this and many other things, and in this case, do a better job in helping people find intimacy than than offering this one-size-fits-all path. There is at least another path where you don't even have to worry about trying to be vulnerable. And oh, by the way, those of you who are God followers, but who struggled even to sense intimacy with God, this might help you with that as well. Now, forgive me for being bold enough to assume I'm a fairly normal person, (laughs) but that is my starting point. And so I asked myself a question, who have I felt closest to in my life? Who have I felt loved by the most, accepted by? Who means the most to me? Who who will I jump, jump at the chance to be with? I, I'll always answer their phone calls and hear their voice and get their advice. Who, who has left me with memories of treasured moments? I mean, is that not what we all long for? Do I need anything better than that? And I don't remember spending one minute thinking about being vulnerable in order for those things to happen. Then how how did that happen? 
And I think I know how, at least one major way. As an example, I think of my relationship with my dad. It was not full of self-disclosure. We rarely sat down and talked about our feelings, our deep desires, trading honest confessions of personal weaknesses or unmet needs. I don't remember being intentionally vulnerable or even accidentally vulnerable. What I remember is working with my dad. Here, Doug, come hold this light while I unscrew this fixture. Hey, boy, I need you to crawl under the house and hang this insulation where I can't fit. (laughs) You see, he needed me to do things he couldn't do by himself or chose not to do by himself, and we worked together, common tasks. He evaluated my work. He honored honored my effort with constructive criticism. He cared about me enough to have me do something over until I did it right. I mean, that was a good thing. In other words, there is more than just one kind of intimacy with more than one cause. There's a kind of intimacy that our world promotes, namely two people face-to-face sharing their hearts made possible by vulnerability. But I'm suggesting that there is this other deeply satisfying kind that comes not from being face-to-face, but side-by-side, sharing work, purpose, common cause. It's the kind of intimacy known best by fellow soldiers who engage in risk together, having each other's back, counting on each other for their very lives It's not intimacy based on self-disclosure, but on self-sacrifice and absolute dependency. You know, without you, I am totally lost. Perhaps that's still a kind of vulnerability, sure. But it's not because you've shared your deepest needs. It's because you share a desperate mission. You are, shall we say, existentially vulnerable more than expressively vulnerable. To be sure, this band of brothers kind of intimacy is extreme, but it is real. So real, in fact, that leaving behind that intimate kinship formed around such desperation and then returning home to family can often be difficult for soldiers. And while it may be uh, dramatically intense because of facing war and death together, It still reveals this other path toward intimacy that has to do with working together toward a common, deeply held purpose. You get what I'm saying? You know, I see as much or even more of that kind of intimacy in the Bible than the somewhat romanticized self-disclosure kind of intimacy that's idealized in our culture. In fact, Just think for a moment about Jesus inviting weary people to find soul rest. What did he say would create that connection? Talk? (laughs) Did he say, come unto me and share your heart with me and I'll share mine with you? No. Not that that's not, that, that, that that's wrong or unnecessary. However, please notice he offered restorative connection by way of his yoke. The side-by-side connection involving learning from him and working alongside him, just like I did with my dad. Remember, he said, come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Isn't that interesting? It's a paradox. Take my yoke, a a, a symbol of work, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, what often goes unnoticed when quoting this passage is that it follows immediately after a statement about receiving intimate knowledge of God. Look at the verse just before. Uh, Jesus says, No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to disclose him, to reveal him. See, this is the promise and pathway of the most intimate knowledge of God as Father. Divine disclosure happens in the intimacy of divine partnership, working closely together. Self-disclosure is not unimportant. It's just not the only way toward intimacy. You know, there are many different kinds of people and personalities, and some get in touch with their inner selves easily enough to find words to share. But others find that very difficult. Instead, They never feel more known and deeply connected than when there's work to share more than words to share. Should we just keep pushing them toward opening up more as if that's their only hope for intimacy, leaving them frustrated and burdened by a sense of failure? Or can we not say, follow this other path toward intimacy with God? And you know, If it's a bona fide path toward intimacy with God, might it not be a bona fide path toward intimacy with others? And that, too, seems to be validated by Scripture, which calls believers into spiritual unity and bonds of peace. The intimacy of shared mission comes as members of one body take up their assigned role and work together in common vision and purpose. You know, I need you, you need me, we need each other, and find close fellowship in this environment of one mission, one spirit, one faith, one hope. So I believe in this other path to intimacy. I've experienced it over and over in my life. And whether you are a Christian believer or not, this path can also lead you to intimacy. It's a path that isn't based on self-disclosure, but on a self-sacrificing cause. Find people with similar purpose and passion, and you will experience a bond developing that will satisfy your hunger for intimacy. You know, in fact, even as I was writing the script for this podcast, I heard a group of 12 people working outside in the parking lot of a food pantry that's just outside our house. And they're getting ready to feed more than 250 families tomorrow like they do twice a week, every week, every year for the past 14 years. These folks come together from different churches, different religions, or no religion at all around this one passion to help people out of food insecurity. And if you were to ask each one, they will likely say, we feel like family. Most of them have been together doing this for years. 
and they organize their lives around this common cause with with each other. They sacrifice for it. They 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 uh, make their schedule work around these important times and rarely miss. Why else do they keep doing this except that it brings a deep sense of camaraderie and fulfillment? Now, I started this episode suggesting that there's an element of character needed in order to engage our culture graciously. You know, this is the mission of At the Intersection with Doug Newton. And, and, and here's, here's the character idea for this episode. If it is the case, and I think it is, that our culture has a tendency toward thinking with buzzwords and offering buzzword solutions, which is what I've been exemplifying here today with this idea of intimacy and vulnerability, well, then we need to be more careful. Our solutions to problems like this unfulfilled desire for intimacy require more than buzzwords for people. We need to have the kind of respect, diligence, and humble honesty, and all of those are character traits, right? Required to offer help without hurting people with cliched, one-size-fits-all buzzword solutions. We've got to respect people enough to see them as unique individuals with all different styles of feeling, thinking, and relating. We need to be diligent enough to think problems through and not settle for buzzword analyses. And we need to be honest, humble enough not to present buzzword solutions that work for you as if they're the only options. So I've written another crosswalk for you this week. Uh, and uh, it'll be online for you to get. The The uh, link will be at the end of this video. And I want to give you some time to reflect and even practice working against these buzzwords. For example, I'm going to get you thinking about some other popular buzzwords that are too simplistic or vague. I'm going to give you a couple of opportunities to consider and appreciate the uniqueness of every person so that you are less likely to think in a one-size-fits-all category and help you with these traits of respect and diligence and humble honesty. Well, that's it for this week. If you appreciate what I am (laughs) trying to do with this podcast, would you share it with your friends and please subscribe to my Fresh Impact YouTube channel. In 24 hours, I'll have a permanent version on YouTube and an audio-only version for those who want to listen on the go. And all the information about the podcast, past and future, can be found on our website and all the links can be found at the end of this video. You know, thanks so much again for tuning in. If you think that this podcast is a valuable resource and hope it will continue to be, would you leave me a comment and just send me an email? I appreciate those who are checking in and just telling me what it is that they appreciate. So I hope that you'll join me again next week at the intersection with Doug Newton. I'm already looking forward to talking to you about our bubble wrap culture and how that lowers our ability to handle pain. In the meantime, remember, bust those buzzwords and really care about helping people, especially with finding intimacy. See you next time.